it was definitely something I look back on and I, I, and I don't for a moment, I think I would have regretted if I took it, you know, but uh, like I said, you learn a lot about yourself and, um, you know, nothing will ever replace the memories you have, you know, uh, with your, with the child, that's the best thing, but, you know, but yeah. It's Dad's Night. Welcome back to another episode of Dad's Night Presents, Time Out with Omar and Samer. Here with me again is my co-host Omar, and we are excited to bring you another guest who may be the fittest dad we've had on yet. So no dad bads tonight. Before we get into it, Omar, how are you feeling? It's another dad's night, another day, another dad's night. Uh, excited about this guest, Omid, great to see you again. It's been a little while. You're looking Hello. healthy, you're looking fit. And then always, you just gotta, gotta find a way to keep the, uh, you know, keep the blood flowing, you know? And so, so it's right after, uh, it's right after bedtime at the house. What were you up to before this? Well, I woke up from my, uh, my dad now. Uh, unfortunately, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we were actually having dinner. Um, and Ava, my daughter, she's uh, still running loose downstairs, so... I wouldn't be surprised if she uh, decides to introduce herself because uh, she's done it multiple times. All my clients know her now. <laughs> yeah, Elam, Elam sent me a video of Ava walling out at the dinner table screaming, I think, let it go. So. Oh, you just saw that right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Well, if she comes oh. in, we'd love to have her on. So. Yeah, man, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, um, that's, that's so funny, actually. The last time that I saw you, Omid, I just remember Ava, I, I mean, this was a while ago, so she, you know, she was much younger, but for every, we were, we were at brunch, and for every spoonful of food that went into her mouth, one went on the floor. <laughs> and, your, and your face, I just, I can't even describe your face and your look in words. You were basically just like, you said something just like, you're like, yep, you know, just add this waitress to the list of waitresses we've had to apologize to. <laughs> yeah, no, man. I mean, a, a one in, one on the ground ratio is actually pretty good, man. So it must have been a good day. But, uh, that was a good day. <laughs> yeah, honestly. But, yeah, we have a long list of, um, you know, blacklisted restaurants that uh, we can't show our faces to. So, uh well, you know, who knows? Maybe after this coronavirus, they'll be more than happy to have us in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't don't worry. Omar also has a full list of restaurants that he's not allowed to. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely hoping they get rid of some of those blacklists out here. <laughs> uh, so, so Omid, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Where are you where are you from? How old are you? What's your profession? How many kids? What ages? Yeah, well, I'm uh, 29. I'm actually about to turn 30 on May 16, so uh, it's, uh, the big 3-0 is coming up, 30-30. Nice, happy uh, early birthday. Thank you, sir. Um, I uh, got one daughter, her name is Ava. Been married since 2015 to my wife, Elam. Um, easily the best thing that's ever happened. I work, uh, well, my industry is um, wealth management. Right now I work for United Brokerage, um, it's the subsidiary of United Bank. Uh, I've lived in Northern Virginia my entire life, man. 
which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But, uh, but yeah, you know, kind of worked my way, worked my way up the ranks, a lot of hard work in and, uh, you know, got to get to live the, uh, the suburban dream, right? <laughs> and uh, Ava is how old? She just turned three, April 6th. Nice. Yeah, man. April baby. That, those are the best babies. My birthday's in April too, so. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome, man. And um, again, thank you for joining the show tonight. We're, we're ecstatic to, I'm a- actually very, very excited to see you finally for the first time in like, it seems like two years. It's been too long, man. It's, it's, it's been too long, dude. And I feel Everything's like every time we try to get together, something goes on and then, you know, now there's a pandemic. So <laughs> yeah, now that's uh, Omed's most recent excuse to not see me. Hey, there, people, uh, people got Corona. Uh, that's the problem. Hey, you know, I'm going I'm to have to cancel tonight. <laughs> Can't risk it, right? <laughs> For sure, man. Well, um, let's, let's dive right into it. And you brought up LM, who I know, um, and actually is one of the uh, – Kelvin, our previous guest, his wife's very, very good friend, and that's how we all kind of met through that connection there. Um, you said you got married in 2015. So that puts you at 25, 26 years old, kind of. Um, so one of the things that we wanted to dive into is really kind of the start of that relationship, um, being long distance, how that started. Me personally, I'm in a long distance relationship. I'm planning to move actually to California here soon. Um, surprise on it. And um, Whoa, so I, oh, wow. yeah, so uh, we just wanted to kind of get your take on how did that all start? And then how did the planning go about for having your first kid, if it was even planned? <laughs> well, no, we definitely didn't plan for it, but it was definitely a blessing. Um, but how we met that, I can't believe I haven't told you this story, but um we actually met by complete accident. Um, uh, so back when I was 20, 20, God, 20, mm-hmm. I, uh, some random girl added me on Facebook. This is back, you know, on Facebook. Well, actually, still big, but, but random girl added me on Facebook. And this is before catfishing, okay? So, but even then, I was like, you know what? Is this real? Is this not real? What's going on? So I messaged her and she's like, oh, sorry, I am the wrong guy, right? But, you know, I'm persistent. I kept messaging. I kept messaging. Turns out that person was LM, right? And uh, what was crazy about it is that at the time she was talking, well, her family was friends with another Afghan family in North Carolina. And um, they were moving out of North Carolina, so they wanted to stay in touch. But her Facebook was completely private. So she told their son at that time that, you know, the, one of the guys, I guess, that she would add him. She's like, oh, forget it, you know, I'll add you, don't worry about it, et cetera, right? So months later, she's looking for this guy because she was like, you know, if you try to look for me, I'm private, you won't be able to find me. Um, his name was Omeg, okay? And when she searched for Omeg's in Northern Virginia, she found two 
So she tried to narrow it down by date of birth. We had the same exact date of birth. We both lived in Northern Virginia and we both had pictures on our Facebook that didn't show our face. It was just like a silly way. It was just like a shadow of us, right? So she added both of us. Lucky for her, she added the right one. Okay? <laughs> and, <laughs> and the rest really was history. So, um, you know, that's how we met. Uh, we dated for like, not too long really. I mean, we were engaged for like three, three years. Uh, we got married and um, honestly, you know, you're going out to California, bro. I'm telling you, we went to California one time, we came back pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> so you are guaranteed to have a baby out there, bro. It's happening. Something in the air. But you know what's crazy about that, man? What's crazy about the baby is that we didn't plan it whatsoever. We were twenty I was twenty seven. I, I was about to turn twenty seven when my daughter was born. Okay. We weren't thinking about that. Shit, we were thinking about like hanging out with you guys and going out to flash with, with you guys to like 7 a.m. <laughs> but uh, that didn't work out. Uh, but honestly, it was the best thing that happened. So, you know, I hate to give you a bad answer, but, you know, we weren't planning for it. It just kind of happened, you know? Uh, and everything else kind of switched into gear. So, so that that's kind of how that went. Um, but now we're trying to be more uh, more smart about it. Uh, we're trying to plan. We're trying to be more cautious, or not cautious, but we're trying to, you know, make it so it's more organized, if you will. Uh, we were hoping to have a baby this year, but with this whole coronavirus, mm -hmm. you know, stuff going on, I think we're gonna take a break from it, at least for a year. Yeah. That is, that's the best How I Met story I've ever heard. <laughs> Look, man, it's so random, right? And I can tell you, I remember at that time, like before I got married, really before I met Alam, um, actually before she said yes, I was, I was like, like man, I was a fuck boy, okay? <laughs> I didn't do anything right. You know, I was like, not, didn't take anything serious. Um, but when she, when everything kind of worked out and I was like, holy crap, like I met this random girl due to a mistake. She's great. She's this, she's that. When that really kind of worked out, I just felt like I could do anything. It was crazy. That was like definitely the best moment, not only because of her, but also just because of like, it just unleashed this whole side of my mind that I felt like anything is possible and, you know, things aren't meant to happen. So, um, so yeah, man, I, I mean, obviously I'm going to be biased, but yeah, I think it's the best how I met your story as well. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Uh, so when you, so, okay, you mentioned, you know, you were in this long distance relationship for a while initially, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously you did not plan <clears throat> for your first kid uh, the way that it happened, but in having that long distance relationship, were you talking about kids at some point? I mean, I, I have been, you know, Samer, you're in a, in a long distance relationship, have been in one for a little bit. I've experienced that before. If you don't have some sort of plan, things 
you know, tend to kind of get a little bit more difficult. So is that something you guys talked about, regardless of when it and how it ended up happening? Well, again, man, we were 21, 22, and we were engaged for a long time. Uh, while we were engaged, we were obviously talking about marriage. Uh, you know, that was the first step, and we were long distance. Uh, I'll be honest, you know, we just talked about kind of life we wanted to, uh, to live and where we wanted to be. But um, when we talked about kids, we just kind of were, were, were fantasizing about having like four kids. And that was really it in terms of planning it out and, and all these different things. Uh, we, had, we initially planned for it to be, you know, later. Um, but they don't work out that way. And it wasn't meant to be that way. It's, it worked out a better way. But, you know, in terms of planning it out specifically while we were long distance, um, I think maybe we, we were just in a different stage in our life. Like I said, we're 21, 22. We weren't really thinking about that stuff. Not that it was smart, but hey, you know, we just were more concerned about figuring out the wedding. What kind of cake are we going to have? Do we invite this person? No, no, we don't. You know, all the little things that go into to that. So, um, and at the same time, uh, Elam was busting her tail to, to um, get her degree done. And I was working on getting my, my uh, series seven and series 66 and all my certifications done. So we were just focused on grinding at that time and, and, and trying to figure out a way to make ourselves um, a legitimate, you know, be able to support ourselves. Because one part I, I left out, okay, is that when I initially met her parents, we were only dating for like eight months. You know, uh, I hadn't, you know, it's kind of like taboo to date in our culture, right? I think that's probably one of the big things. Uh, not that it's bad or it's not happened. It's one of those things like, we all know it happens, but you don't flaunt it. You don't like brag about it. You just kind of do it on the hush hush. Um, and I remember at that time, I was like, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to get caught. I, I didn't want to be the one reacting, right? I wanted to, I wanted to uh, face their family, if you will, and tell them how I felt because at that time, bro, I was a part-time teller. I had no money, no credit, no nothing. All I knew is that I loved her. And um, the only thing I had was like my honesty, my character. And I was like, this is, the, this is the only card I have to play right now. And I went there and I was like, listen, you know, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have X, Y, and Z, but I'm also young, so it's not like it's uncommon. But what I do have is the fact that I'm being honest with you, I wanna face you. And um, one day, one day when I do have a great job, when I do have money, when I do have this and that, you're still going to remember that that was the best thing I did. Until this day, they bring it up all the time. So that was definitely what we were focused on was let's get our stuff together. Let's, you know, get our grind in and, uh, you know, kind of prove ourselves right. You know, make sure that, you know, I, I didn't want to, her parents put on a limb. Can you imagine that? Imagine if you guys have a daughter, right? And she's like, ex I mean, just imagine, like, some dude walks in. <laughs> like, 21-year-old guy walks in. He's got really nothing to show and just says, I love her. And, they, and then imagine them saying yes. Like, that takes, you know, great parents. 
That's um, good. That's beautiful, man. But also, they might have just thought you were the other Omid. True. That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, whatever works. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we know it's family. Wait, shit, that's not the one? Oh, crap. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, um, I mean, that, that is, that is pretty awesome. And, um, you know, you do have a daughter. And so one day you may end up having that conversation. Um, you know, with that being said, would you be open to some little 20 year old kid coming in and saying, I love you? Uh, you know, it's getting spicy here. It's, it's almost nine o'clock. Last night is getting spicy. (laughs) I don't, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I feel like you can tell a lot about somebody by how they talk to you and how they carry themselves. You know, you could run into an 18 year old kid in high school and just be able to know if he or she's got their, you know, their shit together. So I don't want to say no, but it's hard for me to say yes. So I'm going to stick with the political answer on that one. I don't know. He said, fuck This is going to resurface one day. This is going to resurface one day. I'm going to be like, I remember back in 2020, you said I could marry him. (laughs) So... That's, so, that's yeah. great, man. Um, and actually, before we get to our next segment, I did want to ask you one thing. Um, so you you guys kind of, you didn't plan to have Ava, um, but it ended up working out. And, you know, I see the dad that you are and you're a great dad. Um, when you found out, did you also have that same mentality of like, things are going to work out um, because it has in the past? Or is it, hey, even though we know things have worked out in the past, let's make sure we plan appropriately for this human that we have to take care of. I think I'm probably more on, you know, the former where I was just like, you know what? Nothing that, nothing that has led us to that point was planned. And I would say Elam is more of a planner. She wants to know 10 steps ahead of what's going on. Uh, with me, I'm just like, all right, you know, do we have what we need to at least make an attempt, right? Mm-hmm. And at that point, everything that I've, at that point, everything that you ever know and that you ever hear is is that you're never ready, right? Everyone says that. Who has ever said, oh yeah, we were ready to have kids? Well, okay, maybe some people have, but the majority of people are like, oh, you, you're never ready, you never know, and that's the truth. I think that's probably one of the best parts about being a father is that probably the best moments are the moments where you feel most vulnerable when you don't know what you're doing because that's when you learn the most. But those are also the moments where you mess up the most, but eventually laugh about it. Right. So, but that's been the case with everything with me, you know, I've, uh, with work, with in a relationship with all these different things. Like, you know, no one told me to have a long distance relationship. No one told me to, everyone said you should wait. Right. Like, what are you doing? You're, You're this and that. But I guess, for us, I just, um, you know, I was definitely excited from, from like the first moment that there was an inkling that there was a possibility of it. I know Elam was super scared. Um, she was really scared, but only for like 24 hours. Uh, I think I've, I've told you the day that, um, the weekend before, by the way, we found out we were pregnant. We went out. I don't know if Omar, you know this, but we went out with Samer 
for what seemed to be like a Tuesday night for him, but like, like our freaking fucking greatest night ever. Okay. <laughs> we don't get home to like 7 a.m. All right. And that was like God's gift to us. He was like, okay, I just like one last night of just going out. The weekend, literally seven days later, we find out that we're pregnant. And I'll never forget that day because like Elam was sitting there like, you know, having a glass of wine and I was having a beer or, or whatever. I can't remember what I was having. And uh, I was like, you know, maybe you should check. You know, you're, just, just, just do a test. Because we had this feeling. So she was like, no. I was like, what are you going to do? Say no? Like, it's not going to change the fact if it's real, right? <laughs> She's like, no, I don't want to do it. I was like, okay, just just do it. She's like, okay, let me finish my wine first. As if it made a difference, right? <laughs> she goes in. She does like four tests. It's all positive. And she comes out like sobbing and crying. Like, she's so upset. And I'm like, you know, maybe it's not correct. Maybe we'll just check. So the next day we go to... Uh, the doctor for them to actually check and we met up there after work it's just so funny man so they do everything they check to confirm everything is like good to go i'm in my car we're hopping on 66 at five o'clock which is like the worst time to get on i'm like super like ear to ear smile like so happy right and because it's since it's like gridlock traffic like oh i'm right on my ass and I'm trying to turn lanes. I look behind me to my, my rear view mirror and Ellen's trying to change lane, like sobbing, like crying, like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, yeah, like 24 hours later, both super excited, but you know, we just kind of went into it. Like, um, you know, we're just going to get as much advice as we possibly could, but at the same time, try to figure it out on our own. Uh, and I think that's kind of what's worked best for us. Well, you, well, it was, it was a week after you went out with Samer, a week after going out with Samer for one night, you were probably still hungover. So <laughs> yes, no, you were, I remember that was so funny, right? We get home super late and Elam's tired as hell. I'm tired as hell. Like we lay in bed and Elam's like, oh man, really? I'm like, are you fucking serious? I'm like, what? She's like, turn off your goddamn phone. I'm like, I'm not on my phone. She's like, what's that light? I'm like, are you talking about the sun? <laughs> <laughs> she turns around and it's just like, the sun is out. I'm like, goddamn. But yeah, for your, to your point, we were, we were in pain for a while, man. It was, it was, that was a great night. And I just remember, because they left their car at my place and I see them in the morning and it just looked like they both got hit by a bus. And I was like, <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> and he was fine, man. He was like, yeah, you know. And I'm like, you look like completely fine, dude. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Samuel was a wild boy. He can't really hang like that anymore, though. No, it's probably for the best, to be honest. But um, anyway, so I think it's time for our next segment. What do you think, Omar? Yeah, let's do it. Thanks again for joining another episode of Time Out with Omar and Samer. We know you probably have your hands full at home these days between your kids whiling out on all your Zoom meetings and taking another long walk to the fridge, 
So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, the easier the better. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free and there are creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And now it's back to timeout. All right, so Omid, it is time for the Dad's Night Gun Show, the rapid fire round. And we aren't talking about the water pistols you call arms. All right, so what we're going to do here is basically run off a bunch of questions, and you have to give a quick response. So they're about 15 to 20, so I'll pass it over to Omar. All right, Omid, rapid fire, okay? Who wakes up first, you, the wife, or the kid? Me. How many kids would you like to have? Two. Cricket or tennis? Cricket? Tennis? What? At what age will you let your daughter start dating? Fuck no. <laughs> you get more looks from other women since you had a kid? Yes. Tupac or Biggie? What? Tupac or Biggie? Biggie. Indica or Sativa? Ooh. Sativa. Liquor or beer? Liquor. Can we have $13.69? <laughs> Gay or straight? <laughs> oh, uh, straight. Chocolate milk or breast milk? Chocolate milk. Ask for forgiveness or beg for permission? Forgiveness. Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? Mm. Backstreet Boys. Spirit or Frontier? Say it again. Spirit Airlines or Frontier Airlines? Greyhound. Cutting the grass or cutting the cheese? Uh, grass. Who assembles the IKEA furniture? You, your daughter, Me. or your wife? Me. Have you ever been pissed on? And you don't have to tell us by who. Pissed off? Pissed on. Pissed off? Oh, oh, yes, I have. I can tell you by who. When was the last time you pooped yourself? When Shaquille O'Neal got traded to the heat. <laughs> Have you ever illegally downloaded music? Yes. You want your next kid to be a boy or a girl? Girl. All right. All that's right. the show. Nice. That good job. Cool, man. Good job. <laughs> that is, that is, uh, the that, was, that was amazing. And by the way, Frontier or Spirit, my man didn't even know what those were. <laughs> No, I knew. He's like, yo, I fly United. <laughs> first class I United. Okay, first, <laughs> no, not first class, okay. But I do know Spirit and Frontier. <laughs> that was good, man. That was awesome. That's the sec. So that's the second time we've done that. But we changed up the questions a little bit. You did awesome, man. Yeah, that's that was nice. Good. I I love I the. The one thing that people are gonna miss on the podcast is your facial reaction. So maybe we'll do. <laughs> Like a little skit of it. <laughs> we'll cut oh, it out shit. and try to post it. What? Huh? <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's let's keep this thing rolling. Um so again, that was the gun show. Uh so let's move on to the next question and I'll pass it over to Omid. Yeah, so Omid, you um you know, you talked about you mentioned your culture, uh you and you and your wife, um, you're Afghan. Uh you know, Samer thought it was pronounced Afghani, but, you know, I had to correct him in some of the pre-show banter. It's Afghan, Samer. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Appreciate that. And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm Pakistani, Samer's Lebanese, you know, very 
in a lot of ways, very similar cultures yeah. when it comes to family life and, um, and your approach to family. Uh, and, you know, you and your wife, you joked about, you know, having four kids at one point um, before you had your first. So, you know, Afghan families are, you know, usually pretty large multi-generational households. Uh, you know, everybody kind of lives in, in the same house. Uh, traditionally, I know you grew up in Northern Virginia, but uh, traditionally, you know, that's usually how it works. And oftentimes like kids live in the, in the family house throughout their whole lives. Um, what are your thoughts on that approach? Are you more traditional in your kind of like family structure and how you want that to, to be moving forward with your daughter? Or do you have a more like modern take on, on that kind of thing? I definitely have a much more modern take on that. I think, um, honestly, you know, it's, it's not even like the cultural differences because you can't put two different societies in one culture. And, you know, uh, maybe if this was, if we were in Afghanistan or you know, Pakistan or, or just where maybe that culture fits the society, it would make sense. But, you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, maybe a, a way to kind of answer it in, in a different way. I kind of hope in a way my daughter dates before she marries somebody because that's the, that's the culture that we are in. My dad always used to say to me that, you know, we're the victim of two societies. You know, we never know what to do because if we're doing one thing, then we're wrong in the other area. If we do one, if we do the opposite, then we're wrong in the other area. And it makes perfect sense. Um, I think the biggest issue with kind of living, having, pick any of the parents, it's not just one or the other, uh, is that I think the hardest time, the most sensitive time of any marriage is like the first six to 12 months, maybe 18 months for some, um, possibly even more if the person is moving away from their house. Um, I mean, I think men are different than women. Um, sometimes men can handle change a lot more, but, you know, depending on if the wife moves in to the husband's family's home, it's already hard enough being away from your family, being someone's wife, you know, um, living under the same roof, but then adding the element of your husband's parent in there. I and mean, you can't have your arguments, you know, you can't have those moments of, of, you know, when you figure out your relationship in a way. And, and I hate to say that like arguing is the only way, but it's natural. It's part of it. Right. I don't think, I think you guys are all would agree that your best friends are the ones that you always argue with, right. That you have legit like, arguments with because they matter to you. And that's why you have them. If you can't do that, you know, if you're kind of like timid to have that conversation because you're, mother-in-law is there well then you know it gets different and then the other factor is well hell if you're gonna yell and be disrespectful to me in front of my mom i mean that's a whole other thing that's like that's bad in its own in a realm so it's like one of those things where i don't think that um once again i think the big thing is you can't try to fit two different cultures you can't you can't fit those two different societies 
that's two different cultures. I mean, we're not Afghan, you know, we're Afghan American. It's different, you know? And I think, I don't know. I mean, I would ask, you know, the question is, is that part of the Afghan American culture? It's definitely part of the Afghan culture, but that's not the culture. It's just a fact. So, no, I wouldn't do it. And I know a lot of people who've done it. And um, it takes a very particular kind of relationship for that to work out. And unfortunately, I've noticed that for that particular relationship to work out in terms of somebody moving in to their in-laws, one person typically has to be a lot more, um, you know, quiet or what's the word, the better word for it, but a lot more, um, you know, just kind of doesn't really make, doesn't really say a lot, if you will. I, I, not outspoken. I yeah, can't say the word. I, like I can't they, think they of have to suppress themselves. A exactly. There we go. The that's that's the word I was yeah. looking for. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that totally makes sense. And, and this is very, very cool to hear. Um, as somebody who grew up in, you know, different countries. Um, I was born here, but I was raised in the Middle East and uh, I'm Pakistani originally. So I oftentimes struggle with this, you know, identification. Um, and it's very cool the way that you put it, you know, you and, and being confident in, in who you are and knowing where you stand with things that can be so sensitive, like, your culture and your tradition. Uh, that's awesome to hear, man. It sounds, it, it sounds like, you know, you're in a comfortable place when it comes to that kind of thing. And that's something that I know personally that a lot of people stru can struggle with. Yeah, man. Um, I think the main reason why people sometimes struggle with it is especially at that moment, like think about it before you get married, right? Like the person who cares about you the most is your mom, is your dad or your siblings, right? Imagine if like you get to a point where, you know, obviously they'll always love you, but they're not the first person on your mind. Like you're not thinking about X, Y, and Z. So, I mean, I can see how this, how there can be a struggle if you come from a home where that's considered to be the way we do things, because then you're almost kind of disappointing that person by not listening to them, right? It's not in a matter, it's, it has, not to say it doesn't have anything to do about what you want, but it also introduces that element of, well, hey, it's also about what my pick any parent, you know, wants. So, yeah, uh, but I don't know, man. I just don't think that, uh, I just don't think it would work nowadays. So have you felt, have you felt some of the pressures from your parents when trying to raise your kid? Oh, of course. I mean, of course, that's, that is the number one element. Now, I think pressure is all in how you handle it, right? Um, you know, maybe our cultures, our families are kind of similar in that way, but if you just constantly feed into it, you constantly kind of abide by it, and you're just like, yes, 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 it's, it's, it, it never stops. It's not like you take 20 pieces of advice and they're like, okay, we're done for the year. They take, you take 20 pieces of advice and they're like, oh, maybe I can give them 50 more, right? So you kind of have to um, realize that it's happening and just kind of put your foot down and be like, okay, you know, you have to find a way to language it the best way by essentially just saying, okay, I hear you. Thanks. So almost like, oh, you should do, you should feed your kid at this time. Oh, okay. That's it. 
<laughs> you know, like you're still smiling, you're X, Y, and Z. Okay, that's great. Um, but the most important part with that is that, you know, me and Elon, like you and your wife, you got to be on the same page on that, man. Like the worst thing is like if like one person agrees with the parent and says, oh, yeah, let's do it right now. And the other person is neutral about it because then there is a difference and then you can see there's a gap. And then you're like, oh, well, this person wanted to do it, but that person didn't want to do it, you know. Maybe it's because of this added the other that they don't want to do it. And just, you know, so the big thing to that is you kind of have to go into it just having that, the game plan, if you will. But yeah, obviously there's pressure, but I don't even think it's a cultural thing. I just think it's everyone, good God, everyone is going to be offering you unsolicited advice. It's just kind of, you know, the way of passage when you have a kid, like your neighbor, your mailman, anyone, you know. Yeah, Omar. Omar tries to give me advice every night, so I, t I tell him to leave me alone. But I, honestly, you should, you should probably you probably get better advice from your mailman. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, that that's great to hear. Um, and I think you, you touched on a few points. You talked about communication and making sure you're on the same page um, with your partner. Um, so as your kid kind of grows. Um, how are you guys kind of adjusting to the outlook of the child, right? So at age two, you may be thinking, okay, let's focus on these things. At age three, let's focus on these things. Are you guys planning like that or thinking about it in that way? Or are you kind of just saying, we're just going to figure this out day by day? No, for that, we, I mean, I would definitely say that we're planning for it. Um, you know, we definitely look to constantly challenge what we're doing ourselves um i think that's just the i mean that's uh, i'll be honest I'm, a lot of that really is it comes down to Ella. you know she definitely is super big on that is very big on um finding new ways to you know push ava mentally and uh in, in a good way not in a in a pressured way right um but you know, the most that we can do outside of our home is obviously figuring out and making sure that we've got Ava in the best possible school and, you know, outside of just like signing her up for something, it's like a constant thing of, all right, you know, what did the teacher talk about? Is she coming home and doing it? You know, what are some of the notes? Um, does she do X, Y, and Z? Is she ahead? Is she behind? Right? So, you know, in addition to that, you know, if they're teaching them something in school, we'll try to replicate the same thing at the house just to see, you know, is she really doing this good? Maybe we can push her, or maybe we can try to teach her more. Um, uh, and one of the big things that I know that Ellen is really proud of, I am as well, like we were super, and this kind of is like a combination of your last two questions, like we were really big on trying to get her to, to learn how to be potty trained. Um, you know, obviously there was that simple motivation of let's just get her to stop, you know, shitting in her diaper. Um, but the other one was, you know, it's really hard to have two kids when they're both taking a shit in their diaper, man. Like, it's not easy. Like, can you imagine? Um, so it was like, all right, the sooner we're able to get one kind of fully potty trained, the sooner we can comfortably move to step two, right? Or baby number two, if that happens to do it, uh, you know, God has a plan for us. Um, 
So we would put Ava on the toilet at like six months old. Just like this little chicken nugget, just like sitting there all limp, like on the toilet. And like, you know, some people were like, what are you doing? Like to your point of like, you know, pressure of, oh, you should do it this way. You should do it that way. Mm. But Elam and I, our theory was like, well, we've noticed that some kids are scared of the toilet, you know, because they don't know what it is and they like run away from it. And, you know, I was, we both agree that, all right, you know, if a baby just kind of grows up doing something and doesn't realize that it's something different and it won't be scared of it. So we're like, all right, let's just put her on the toilet at six months and let's just hope that she doesn't get freaked out by it. And as she gets older and older and older, we'll start celebrating any accidental bathroom break she takes, right? Mm-hmm. And then it turned out where like, by the time she was like 18 months, bro, I forgot how bad it was to change a dirty, like, not, like a number two diaper by the time she was 18 months. She would do it every now and then, but imagine an 18 month year old, mm-hmm. right? So like our, timeline of where should she, where should she be at age two where should she be at age three you know it's like some of them is some of it's really based on what we want to do for our, our family like that was like a really big thing and it makes sense it's just, it seems like a small thing but it really is difficult um but it kind of challenges what some others it, it's like every little thing man like you'd be surprised like oh your kid doesn't um know the abcs at this age your kid doesn't do it's like you know, um, there really is no specific path or benchmark you follow because we feel like maybe we can push, maybe she's capable of learning more and we're kind of going based off of what she's telling us, right? And what we're figuring out is we are learning this process of being parents. Absolutely, man. That's, that's a good answer. Um, unique perspective for sure. I mean, Omar's still getting potty trained. And how many months are you? Two two thousand months, something like that. I saw that. One. I saw that one coming. I uh, listen, man. You got you got to you got to put out a book on your revolutionary potty training techniques. <laughs> no, man. Ask Ella, man. That's all her. You know, I'm I'm in the background just with the pom poms. But uh, um, yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, and so I think uh, we're, we're coming in close to an hour, so let's move on to the next topic. Um, great answer, Omid, and really appreciate that perspective, especially us being from cultures outside of the American culture. Um, I didn't even think of it like, I think you said that two different cultures and two different societies and trying to merge them. So pretty, pretty dope perspective there. Um, so we wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, just knowing your background, finances, uh, being a finance, uh, being a wealth manager. I think you said financial advisor. I mean, financial advisor. Um, so on our last episode, actually, um, our friends started talking a little bit about um, opening a five two nine, opening a trust for their kid, um, and so we kind of wanted to hear your perspective on you know as fathers are starting to get ready for their kids growing up, is this something they should really do research on their own? Or is it something that, you know, they should go to financial planners like yourself to really understand what benefits them the best or the most? Well, I would definitely say um, to talk to a professional. Um, and, you know, um, obviously feel free to reach out to me, right? <laughs> but, uh, 
No, the main reason is because um, in our world, like a five to nine plan is is very is a very um, you know I don't want to call it basic or like super simple, right? But it's it, it's not that complicated, right? So if you consider it, think about it. If you're going into something, if you're, if you're like trying to play basketball and you're trying to figure out how to dribble, like you probably don't know how to do more complicated things and and you're probably not even thinking about it right so some of the biggest um you know issues i've ever seen is somebody comes in saying oh i just want to figure out a college plan right but in reality they have five other issues that are way bigger that affect that child as well um so i would definitely talk to a professional someone who kind of well, sorry to thing. cut you off but like what yeah 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 what? so um for instance, um, well, they want to put money into a five two nine, but you know they want to. Uh, they have maybe fifty thousand in, in credit card debt that's not properly being planned for. Well, that's going to affect because eventually you may have to forfeit putting in money to five two nine plan to pay off that debt, or they don't have any life insurance. Well, what do you need for a 529? Well, you have to be able to make payments into it or not payments, contribute into it for five, 10, 15 years. If you're not here, that really goes all the waste, right? Um, so you honestly it could be as simple as like, you just have a bunch of 401ks all over the place and you don't really have that aligned. You don't really have um, your finance, the basic finances in order. So there's a lot of other things that you would also would have to take into consideration before you would simply say, I want to open up a 529. But honestly, when I talk to my clients and I talk to people, when we get to that subject, you know, that's always an area where I say, like, when it comes to a five to nine, like, considering everything else is taken care of, considering everything else is, you know, not perfect, because no one has, no one, you don't have to be perfect, um, but you have to have the core things taken care of. So considering that the core, you know, uh, points are kind of checked off and measured off. I can't tell you as an advisor or anyone, no one can tell you um, how you should plan for your child's education, right? That's more of a parenting thing. You know, like if you were to ask me, what do I want to do for my kid? Well, it's obviously going to have to do with money, but maybe it's not specifically um, a 529 because you have to remember a 529, although it's great, you have a lot of tax advantages. You have a lot of benefits that come with it that are literally one of a kind by definition. Um, it's also restrictive to it only being useful for tuition and room and board and all the expenses that come with um, uh, you know, going to school. But that's all you can use it for. What if your son or your daughter wants to uh, follow your footsteps as a business owner? You know, what if you're, um, you know, you know, some people don't believe in a four-year degree. Not that it's bad. I mean, I know a lot of I know a lot of very wealthy clients that they haven't finished school, right? And who's to say that's bad, right? I mean, they just think differently. Um, but for instance, like for me, right? My whole thing in terms of what I want to do, I think those years where you know Ava goes to school, it's it's also happens to be when she's 18, 19. 20, 21, 22, maybe 23, right? That's also one of the, the moments where we can say we probably made 
some of the worst financial decisions of our life. Some of, right? I mean, <laughs> we make a lot of stupid mistakes, you know? And um, so my whole theory behind it is like, well, you know, I want to be able to help her. But the difference with Ava, you know, the way she's going to grow up, it's going to be very different from the way I grew up. You know, I grew up where, you know, the concept of the market, like making money, buying a stock, like what the hell is that? She's going to know what the hell Apple is. She's going to know what, you know, Google and, and Facebook and Amazon, and she's going to know what a stock is and how to make money doing it. So the concept of her making money and within the market is going to be so elementary to her. And that's something I never had. I kind of had to learn that. Right. So for her, when she goes to school, you know, what I hope, what I envision, what I really want to make sure she does is that, um, and kind of going back to the question you asked about, like, what would you do if some 21 year old kid came in? Um, I want to save money for her, but I want to tell her that, you know, the first two years I'm going to pay your school, but I want you to have a job, go to work. I had to work, man. Like, um, I had to work my entire way through just everything. I've never really, I've, I've, I've been working since I was like 16, like full time. Right. So, I want her to work, I want her to save money. Uh, and I'm gonna tell her, hey, do this so you can pay for your junior year. Maybe you take a loan out in your senior year. But I already know that she's gonna come to me when she's a junior, senior and say, I don't have enough money, right? So we're gonna probably take out a loan for her or I'm gonna help pay for it, right? Um, when she's done, what I wanna do for her is, hey, you know, once you're done with school, figure out a way to pay me back in five years and six years. So then she has to make a decision. Like, do I stay with mom? Do I rent with a friend? Do I live on my own? What do I do? And whichever way it is over the course of those three to four or five years, I'm going to learn about her as well. Like, has she been financially responsible? Is she paying bills? Is she keeping up with her stuff? Is she ruining her credit? Because I'm going to help her figure out and learn to get to a point where once she does, I'm going to essentially give her all that money back that she's been paying me. And I want to essentially put a down payment on the house for her. She gets her house because the grand reason why is that when some fuck boy comes into my house and says, I want to marry your daughter. I'm going to say, all right, she knows that I make money in the market. That's nothing. She has a house. What do you have? So that's my whole, that's my whole thing, right? Like that's what I want to do. So when, I, when we talk about five to nine, like it's an account, but how do you want to be as a parent? You know? But that's kind of how I help people as well. Um, so, you know, saving for school, saving for that stage, um, it doesn't have to be one answer, man. And that's what I always tell people. I'm like, you tell me, what do you want? I'll figure it out for you. Wow, that's a, man, you just, you just outlined like the greatest Jedi dad trick of all time. <laughs> no, the, the best one, I'm telling you. Uh, I won't get into that today then. I won't say that. <laughs> I, I mean, man, we plan, we plan on addressing stuff like this a little bit more moving forward because, um, you know, even our, even our last guest mentioned this uh, about financial planning. You know, if, if that's squared away, if you don't have money problems, it's just a lot of extra stress that you don't have to deal with. And, um, you know, that's, that's never a bad thing, right? Uh, but 
Yeah, that's 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 a cool approach, man. I really like that. I might, I might steal that one. Yeah, I say that now, right? We'll see. But um, it seems like a perfect plan in my mind, you know. No, absolutely. I mean, I think at the core, it's the uh, financial ed education, financial literacy. Yeah, making yeah, sure cool. that. I mean, I know, I know. Growing up, like again, we weren't exposed to the stock markets. We weren't exposed to these things because. Mm -hmm. And really, if you think about our cultures, a lot of Middle Eastern cultures think of it as almost like the devil, right? It's oh like, my God. it's legalized gambling, it's this and that, but it's like, no, it's, it's really not. It, you can actually time the market, you no, know, not time it, but you can understand the market, how it flows, how it moves, you know, whatever you want to do. And just being able to feed that to our kids in the future, I think is going to be a critical success factor for the next generation exactly definitely understanding how to properly take advantage it's not used right it's there right you don't say you take advantage of a house you, you just use the resource of being able to buy a house and buy it down right it's the same thing right um it's there and i always say to my family it's funny because we have those conversations i go to those we obviously i go to my big when everyone gets together not just my immediate family but like everyone right and like for years, like, what, what is it? Oh, be a doctor, be an engineer, be a lawyer, right? Uh, and I remember like years ago, or not that far, I mean, maybe two, three years ago, they were talking about, oh, the market, it's not this, it's not for us. I'm like, well, you can't come to a new country and expect to just buy gold and, and, and not to say that real estate's not easy, but it's not as easy to buy it. So kind of have to listen, kind of have to go with the flow, if you will, right? So, um, but yeah, definitely will help with the next generation for sure. Well, um, Omid, you you know you talked a lot about um, other options and and uh, you know making sure that your personal finances are squared away. Really, you know, before you start thinking about the rest of your family too, is an important piece. There's so much that goes into this. Honestly, just hearing it is kind of over, overwhelming, to be honest with you. What kind of like easier, if somebody say can't afford to, you know, go to a, a wealth manager or financial professional, are there easy ways to kind of just like access some of these first steps that you have to take in planning for the future like this when you have a kid or, uh, yeah. or, or even, even something that you've used before? Well, first off, um, there is, um, you know, well, I can't speak for every advisor, but um, a lot of advisors or professionals don't charge like an hourly rate. It, uh, it, it you know, but we're compensated completely differently than, 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 than that. But um, the whole theory behind, you know, making sure you're taking care of yourself before is that, you know, um, if, if you can make sure that you, your eyes are dotted and, and, and you know, your T's are crossed and you yourself are taken care of, that's going to at least give you the ability to be organized, if you will, or have the credit score to help your kid one day or to at least have some sort of resource. Because if you don't have the ability to save and you don't have your quote unquote house in order, there's nothing you can do, you know? So it's just a matter of being able to say, well, hey, if you can't have both things perfectly, at least make one thing great so that eventually you have the ammunition or you have the ability to help your child as much as you can down the road. 
um, because I think it's all about habits. You start creating the right habits at an early age, it, things just start to get a lot easier in terms of being able to take advantage of a lot of tools. And there's a lot of ways, there are a lot of ways for you to, for you to essentially, you know, help. There's all the financial tools. Uh, it's different, like it, it all depends on your income level. I mean, some people can get some help from the government, uh, some people can't, uh, but, but in terms of specific tools, I mean, I would, the easiest one obviously is the Mint app. Uh, that just gives you a bird's eye view of what you're doing. And it really kind of gives you uh, a trend. I mean, you'd be surprised. You're like, God damn, how the hell did I spend like $2,000 on Amazon? Like, what the hell did I buy? It just makes you more aware. I think that's the first step. Sometimes people just aren't aware of what the hell they're doing. I mean, if you were to look before the coronavirus, how much I was spending on Chick-fil-A, uh, that's, a, that's a problem, you know? So it's just, I think the first step for everyone, just like with anything, you know, just pick anything. It could be wanting to get better at a sport, wanting to get better at your job. If you don't know you're good or you're bad, that's a big problem. You know, there's a difference between being consciously competent and unconsciously incompetent or by fix, mix up those words. Because if you are consciously incompetent, at least you know that you don't know what you're doing, right? And I think that goes with anything. If you are unconsciously incompetent, that's the worst. Because you don't know, and you're doing a terrible job. And I think just with anything, to fix the problem of that, the first step would just would be to at least be able to say, whoa, I'm spending a lot of money at the bar, I'm spending a lot of money here. but you know, that would be the first step. And if you wanted to invest, like start off with something small for yourself, there are a lot of really cool apps, uh, Acorn, Stash, you could put like five bucks, you know, you could put your change, like you can buy a, a you know, a drink for $10.25, it'll automatically send 75 cents to your account. So once again, that's helping you with habits, right? Creating some good habits. But I think with anything, you should always, with not just finances, anything period, you should always at least have an understanding of what you're doing, right? And for finances, Mint has been helpful for me. It just gives me an overall um, overview of what's going on. So those are the two things. But, you know, if someone is able to put away $100, $200 for tuition in addition to their mortgage and their car payment and their daycare and all these other things, that's a lot of money for you putting away. So I would definitely talk to a professional because, you know, once again, it's a lot of money to be putting away. You want to make sure that you're doing, you're taking the right steps. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's cool. And, and thank you for mentioning those, those apps. I've heard of Acorns before. I use Acorn, um, but Mint, I'll, I'll check out Mint. That's something that I, I think I want to personally be better about. Um, is you know having these things teed up so that I don't yeah. have to worry about it later on, um, and thank you for helping me feel less incompetent. <laughs> that just, honestly, just a little less, but yeah, you know. that that honestly doesn't take much to be honest. But uh, moving on to the final piece of the show here, <laughs> um, and honestly, this has been great. So we're gonna uh, move to our last bit. Um, 
I just like digging on Omar quite a bit. Just I know I love him. He's, well, well, Samer, Samer's trying to get me back for the last episode because I was firing off some shots that left him kind of speechless. So trying to come back. I'm not mad at it. I was definitely in my feelings today. So <laughs> all right. So this this last part is just uh, we're about an hour in. Um, it's three questions that we always ask um our guests and so you touched on it a little bit earlier but we wanted to ask what is the best thing about fatherhood um well you know i can't speak for everyone obviously but for me i think the best best thing about being a father is just you know having this like this purpose, if you will, every single day, you know, that somebody needs you, you know, they're, um, they just need you because they love you. And, and that's like a whole different thing of just needing you because they want to, you know, use you for something. Right. Um, but being the, I think the best thing about being a father is just that like, uh, ability to leave a positive or just some have a positive influence on, on, on somebody and, and making sure that's such a, that's such a big, it's like one of those things that you think that it's easy to answer. Right. But there's just so many, I'm just like, do I talk about this? Do I talk about that? But you know, it's, uh, it's, it's like the best feeling ever, man. It's like trying to explain a color that you've never seen before. Mm. You know, <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't say it, you know, because, I think what's really great about being a father is that like part of about part of the joy of being a father is like, um, you know, for those who are lucky to have, you know, for those who are lucky to be, you know, husband and wife and they're together. Um, that's like a whole other chapter in your, in your, in your marriage life as well. Um, so it just brings out the best in you. If you think, you know, your best version, shit, you have no idea. And, 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 you think you know what you want to do and it, it completely redefines it. I think one of my biggest moments where I think I was most proud and uh, I remember when I first got into the industry, I, um, I, I, was, I used to work for Capital One Investing. Capital One, like they're not really a big name, right? Especially in the investment world. When you think of the big firms, when you think of the big names, you think of Merrill Lynch, you think of Morgan Stanley, um, you know, you know, Wells Fargo, private wealth, uh, you name them, right? City, et cetera. You, that's what you think of. So I was with Capital One for three years. They completely closed the doors. I was doing well there. Uh, they closed the doors and they laid everyone off, essentially. They picked a handful of people to go to some new firm, but there I was, I was, you know, at that time at Capital One, I was like a the new kid on the block. I was the, the teller who became the banker, who became the junior, who then became the senior, who was like this anomaly, right? I came out of nowhere, I was doing really great. So I was like, just icing on top, like a cherry on top of the firm. Then once that happened, I all of a sudden, every single firm was giving me an offer. And it was crazy. I went from like nothing to pretty good, to now Merrill Lynch, every single firm you can think of had an offer. And then little old United Brokerage Services was also in, the, in you know, there as well. 
Now imagine like for five years, for six years, well, for as long as you can imagine, you're working towards something, right? And you think it's right there and you think that's what you want. And the day comes, you're sitting there and they have the offer table on the, on the table. And they say to you, uh, you know, you're going to have to probably work 12, 15 hours a day. You're going to be gone, et cetera. And you're like, you know what? I'm not going to see my daughter. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to do that. So I picked a company who essentially allowed me to be the dad I wanted to be. And I think that's probably one of the best things is that you realize who you really are. And like, you don't know when it's going to come, but you know, I know that's a really long answer, but I'm better at giving stories than no, you know, giving a direct answer. So that was probably like one of the coolest things. That's a great answer. Yeah, that's a, that's awesome. And, and, Actually, one of my, it reminds me of uh, one of my college professors. He was, a, he was my business law professor, and he had a similar story. And I love hearing stories about this when, you know, people choose that uh, career path that really, you know, lends itself towards something outside of their career that they find, you know, more fulfilling maybe on, on a spiritual level. A, on, a, on a deeper level than just, you know, what we're doing out here nine to five um, and, you know, within the constructs of, of society. And uh, he, had a, he had a similar story. You know, he was like this big time lawyer, big private firm, you know, million dollar salary. And he left to just teach kids. Uh, it was, I mean, it was an introductory course, you know, so he was, he was teaching uh, young kids as an undergraduate course. And so, you know, half the class is napping. Like it was not a, it, you know, he, he was far more suited to, to do bigger things with the kind, kind of knowledge that he had acquired throughout his education and professional experience. Um, but hearing that and then hearing it from you right now gave me kind of that same feeling that I had back then, which, you know, I hope that when I get to, you know, that decision that I have to make in my life that I feel the same way that you did. Yeah, man. it was definitely something I look back on, and I, I and I don't for a moment. I think I would have regretted if I took it, you know. But uh, like I said, you learn a lot about yourself, and um, you know, nothing will ever replace the memories you have, you know, uh, with your with your child. That's the best thing is that, you know. But yeah, so that's good. That's awesome. Do either one of you need a tissue there? No, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> moving on to the... Hey we, hey, we encourage crying on Dad's night. Right? We do, we do. I know, man. Yeah, you're you're going to get me fun up for it, but we encourage <laughs> it. All right, so two more questions here. Um, what is the hardest thing about fatherhood? The hardest thing... Um, ooh. Once again, there's so many options, you know? Um, <laughs> I think the hardest thing obviously about being a father is, is trying to be patient. It really just, it, 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 it's really hard. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to, you know, be just super calm in a situation where someone is being completely um, just, what's the best way to say it? Um, I think the hardest part is just, like I said, just being patient and at the same time, 
I don't want to say questioning yourself, but wanting to make sure you're doing it the right way, right? Because like, it's not just four weeks that go by, it's a month. And what have we done for our daughter in a month? Like, are we going in the right path? So it's like a constant like checkup on yourself in terms of being a parent, but at the same time being patient with whether or not, you know, she or he is learning quick enough, um, you know, not getting too upset when things aren't going perfectly or if you're busy trying to do something she's crying so those are the things i think every parent deals with but i think the other hard part is that like almost anxiety if you will of, of like you know was this a month well spent like are we going are we you know is this the right school and you know is this um is she should we try to get her into swimming should we get her into sports are we are we challenging her enough? Are we being the best parents you could possibly be? Are we, you know, is there anything that we're missing? Because like, it's like, if you don't know what to look for, it's like, especially with the first child, right? It's like, you're trying to learn as you go and you're just always worried about being late and you don't want to. So, um, but, it, you know, so yeah, I, I think that really would be probably one of the most difficult parts. Nice. That's, You've had some good answers tonight. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. And it's, it's always cool to see the different perspectives from the different dads, right? What is the hardest thing? So yeah, um, really, really cool. All right. Last, last one here. Um, what is one piece of advice that you would give to other dads, um, soon to be dads or people that want to be dads? The one piece of advice, um, And I think this is, yeah, honestly, I, I would say the one piece of advice is, you know, it's really, really important. Um, if, if you're expecting to have a kid, if you're trying to have a kid, you know, um, make sure you're with the right one. And that's not an easy, an easy thing to look at. But I remember when, I remember when I got married, um, I was 21 and one of the things is I remember, and to this day, I still know without a doubt, while people, while, while everyone essentially was, you know, were saying, hey, are you sure? Like, dude, you're 21, you don't have anything to show. Without hesitation, I said yes. And still, it was probably one of the easiest decisions I ever made because I not only knew that she brought out the best of me and um, she was going to help me, but I knew for a fact she was going to be an incredible mother. And uh, I think that's something that you got to look at. Um, and it's hard to look at everyone's definition of that is different. So I'm not really going to tell you why, right? Because it's not anyone's place to say that. Um, and it's important because, you know, you got to make sure you're in a situation that is going to be helpful for uh, the next generation, but your, your children, but the, the, the best advice I think I could give in addition to that is you have to realize that, when you're a parent, you're not supposed to know what to do. And that environment, that ecosystem that you have is so important because the best parts of being a dad are those days or those moments when you feel vulnerable, like you just feel exposed, like what the hell am I doing, right? I think the most memorable moments of Ellen and I have been nights where like, what the, 
Like, what do we do? Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> but it's in those moments where we always look back and we laugh because we're like, can you believe we did that? Can you believe we put the thermometer in that place where it wasn't supposed to go there? Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, just you're supposed to like, you know, don't, 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 don't beat yourself up about it. But more than anything else, you know, you have to realize that, you know, when you don't know with anything, like once again, work, sports, anything, when you don't know you mentally, you resort to your core basics, your instincts, right? And you, you can't always trust them, always. Not to say that it's bad, but you kind of have to realize that, you know, unless you're going to take every single piece of advice you got as a child, you can't always go to your core instinct. So it's always good to have somebody else, somebody else's perspective. And it's not bad to question that. So like I said, you have to make sure you're in some, uh, you know, in a situation where, um, you have somebody that you trust the judgment on, but you're not supposed to know what to do. You just kind of have to live and learn and work at it and go through all the problems. But I think the, what always frustrates me or I always feel bad is when parents are like, oh, I don't know what to do. And they're freaking out about it. I'm like, that's the joy of it. Like and embrace it. You know, like I live and I live for the diarrhea nights, but you know, like those are the good nights. Those are the days you remember. Like oh, the man. days and the like the days and the nights that are the worst, or the days and nights you remember and talk about most. Mm. It's like embracing the chaos. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Again, these, this has been those are great answers, and this has been super super fun. Uh, I think we're a little over an hour now, so we're gonna wrap this up. Um, Omar, any last words for Omed here? No, man. I mean, so many gems. Uh, I'm gonna, you're giving me a lot of trouble in picking out a quote for the Instagram posts. <laughs> this is going to be a tough one for me. Uh, but no, thanks again for joining us. And, and dude, so great to see you again also. Of course, man. It's great to see you guys. This was awesome. This was really cool. I'm waiting for some of the interview, interview you guys because you guys probably have the best stories in the room every night. <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know that there's there needs to be a, a parental advisory sticker <laughs> definitely it's all it's only available to some certain audiences um all right so we're gonna wrap this up so omen uh you're officially out of timeout omar and samer thanks again and we'll talk to you soon thank you again for joining us on dad's night presents timeout with omar and samer you can listen to our podcast on pretty much any streaming service. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Dad's Night. That's D-A-D-S-N-I-T-E. You can also check out more information at dadsnight.com. Please subscribe and rate us, and we look forward to bringing another episode soon.